Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops for psychological operations is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think and ultimately how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. Welcome to the 278th episode of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court. Sounds like he's trapped inside of a percolator just saying hello to you. But joining me all the way across the city of Omaha and itching to get back into the studio and or my pants is my co-host, Matt. I mean, I don't know if itching's the exact word I use, but it's there. It's probably there. I mean, a little ointment will clear it right up. Don't I mean, once it. you're in my pants or the studio, the itching will return, right? There's a lot of ointment. We're going to need a lot of ointment. <laughs> Those fuzzy fun times end up becoming more along the lines of shave it down and salve it up times later yeah, on. Yeah, uh, uh, gotta, you know, gotta get rid of crab somehow, I guess. <laughs> I'm clean. <laughs> I'm clean. Yeah, we've both been married for so long. Yeah, we're clean. <laughs> Uh, we brother. talk a big game, but we are very boring people. <laughs> yeah, we are definitely just very, very boring people, really. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I can't remember the last time I did a line of blow off a dead rhino. I can't remember it, but I do know I was with Trump Jr. Uh, we were in Vegas, and we didn't know it at the time, but yes. Yeah, we didn't know. I didn't know that was Donald Trump Jr., but allegedly exactly probably happened. Did snort a line of coke off a dead rhino. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's how the Rona virus really got spread. Pretty much. I I would not actually, you know, I wouldn't put it past those bastards. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I I got no segues. I got nothing really all that uh all that intriguing to to talk about. Um I've yeah. been I've been diving into It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia again. Um, oh nice. Well, I kind of do this thing where I let them do like two or three seasons and then I just binge those two or three seasons and then I just ignore them for like two or three years. Yeah. So like I get this like mass catch up on it and everything but it also makes it easier that way because they reuse a lot of the same routines and jokes and sometimes they'll even redo episodes and but like they've fully admitted and that's part of the joke is that it's so lame when shows do this kind of stuff but they're doing it to make fun of themselves for doing it too yeah they're they're really good i haven't gotten to i've never gotten into it but like every time i have watched it i've always laughed so it's like i should get into it but yeah that's um, what it is i actually for the longest time was convinced that it's always sunny in philadelphia was just a documentary and <laughs> it just so happened that there was a guy that looked like <laughs> danny devito, danny DeVito, DeVito in there. yeah yeah because i was like jesus I mean, this, is, this I... is it's like everybody i've ever met from philadelphia really <laughs> If I really think about it, I always had the idea that like 25% of the population of Philadelphia look like Danny DeVito. Yeah, and then like a quarter of them definitely look like Charlie Day. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> we can't be that far off. It is the city of brotherly love, and uh, we can't yeah. hate on them too much because they put a big middle finger up to fascism for us. So thank you That's very much. That's true. For I know. I know. I, you know, a lot of the towns I like making fun out of, like, actually like, turned it around a little bit. So I got to watch myself a little bit. Yeah, it's a really fucking crazy world. It's like everything is just completely upside down nowadays. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah, right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to fucking watch movies and podcast about them every fucking week. 278 weeks weeks and counting as a matter of fact boo dad yeah yo <laughs> and we were talking off mic i'm not going to include that stuff even though i may have recorded it on my side we're talking on mic about future plans of finding out a way to do the show back together in studio again yes <laughs> we're trying, trying to, figure to figure that out so we'll, we'll see if we can get that to, to work out i don't want to jump the gun on that too much but i think we found a way to do it and be medically safe However, you will have to do the show in under two hours or you will run out of air while you're here at the house. Yeah. Well, you know, we have the air purifiers and uh, then if things get too bad, I'll just freeze myself in carbonite. We'll be fine. <laughs> I think I can just encase you in old VHS tapes that are hot glued together. Yeah, that's about all I've been doing is watching The Mandalorian and then. Uh, oh, OK. Spoiler alert, everybody. We got to we got to fucking talk about it because it finally fucking yeah. happened. Have you, you seen Bub the, you seen the latest one, right? Bubble Fett. Yeah, holy Bubba fucking fat man. Bubba holy fat. fucking fat. Bubba <laughs> fucking fat's back. How long have we been waiting to actually see? He's this legendary badass that we've heard about yeah. forever, and, and we've and never seen him on screen. always been mad about the way he died, or quote-unquote died, or at least got expelled. But he, you know, there's always been lore in books that, in fact, it was canon in the books, uh, the expanded universe, that he blasted his way out of the Sarlacc's stomach. And his armors is what kept him alive. So and if he you... blasts his way to the stomach, spent years hunting Han Solo, only to join Han Solo and take it down in Han Solo's like fucking crazy cousin who was trying to get fucking total complete power. So it's it's a fucking weird ass story, but it's good to see Boba back. Uh, it's cool that they got the same actor who played all the clones in the Clone War. And Jango. Uh, and Jango Fett. Yeah. Um, uh, so far, I'm, I'm just loving the series. Uh, they have not made any real mistakes. When I saw um, uh, Rosario Dawson as uh, Ashoka, I, I nearly pissed myself. It was so good. 
Uh, I did, yeah, I did that geek clap thing that I like to do, where I point yeah. my fingers out as far away from each other as I possibly can and just clap with my palms. I looked at my wife and said, "Yeah, I have like the hardest nerd boner right now, <laughs> just the hardest." She looked like the CG character somehow in a live action world. They they did an yeah. amazing job with that. Yeah, I, it was it was an amazing cast um, casting job. I'm loving the fact right now that it's Boba Fett and uh and Mando. Uh I know he has his own name. I can never pronounce Din. it, so I just call him Mando. It's Din. Din. Just Din. Din's Din. for short. Yeah. Yep. Uh Din. Uh and they're going to be now hunting the Empire who uh have the child. Yeah, I'm nerding out. I'm so nerded yeah. out so fucking hard. This is what I've and been also, waiting for for like the now, first season of Mandalorian for something like this to take place. Now remember, Groku, he sent out an alert that he's now in the universe. Who knows what else is going to go looking for him because the only people who are going to get that alert are Jedis. Yeah. What was happening to him. So there's very few Jedis in the universe, and one of them's Luke Skywalker. Just saying. You never know what they could do anymore, but... I eh. doubt they're going to fucking pay Mark Hamill dollars to have him guest. Well, I don't think it will be Mark Hamill. He's too old. This is five years after return, so I'm thinking... They're going to cast a... Uh, oh, a, a replacement Luke? Like a an in-betweener Luke? Like somebody to look like him enough <laughs> that'll, you know, quell the nerd hordes. But if that happens, even in, like, not a lot of Luke, if we even just get a little bit of Luke Skywalker, I'll I'll, I'll be pleased by that. I'm kind of still hoping that... Um, is it Asaka is how her name is pronounced? I never pronounce yeah, it right uh, either. Yeah, As- Ashoka. Ashoka. I'm kind yeah. of hoping that she'll actually come back and end up being the thing where she starts training him for a little bit. I've, I've actually heard there's going to be a series that she's going to be a, on her own thing. Limited, there's a spinoff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a limited series, and she's going to be hunting Thrawn, so she don't got time. And <laughs> Ashoka will tell you everything you need to know. She's not a Jedi. She, she left the Order in the Clone Wars. So I haven't gotten there yet in the, oh, the animated yeah, yeah, series. Yeah. I mean, in the Clone Wars, yeah. Ooh. And, and I, she was also heavily in the Star Wars Rebels uh, animated series. And uh, fuck, was she a badass. And she took on Vader head to head in that shit. And fuck, man, it was it was hardcore. So I, I'm all for any way we can get more of her. I'm all for it because she is nothing but just badassery. To bring it back to this show and and one of the things that we love to do is which repurpose your memes. The, yeah. the meme where it's this giant train being pulled by this little tiny model train and it was yeah. like the entirety of the Star Wars franchise and like um all the new movies and everything is the giant train and then the little yeah. train that could is the Mandalorian and it's actually pulling it along. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. I mean the it is some of the and I'm not a new movie hater. I don't hate any of the new movies that came out. I love them. I still love them to death. But you'd have to be blind not to think the Mandalorian isn't the best thing Star Wars since the original trilogy. Well, when it, I said that, the, I said that and fully expected you to like come at me. But yeah, no, it's true. It is the it's, best it's thing the, they've done. Yeah, it's it's so much directly right off. Not even Empire and Jedi. It's so directly right off a New Hope in which it is a Western just in space. It's and fucking hidden it's fortress. Portrayed. Yeah, it's fucking hidden yeah. fortress in space. And it's perfect. And this yeah. last one, this last episode or actually two the two episodes ago where Ashaka takes on the 
the, yeah. the feudal Japan looking star <laughs> star base. Uh, yeah, that yeah. was that and was totally a Kurosawa samurai moment, man. Like you, you could then, totally and, see it. And then outside of it, you had a Western old style draw. Well, between- Kur- Kurosawa was heavily influenced by Western films in yeah. what he was doing with his samurai films. It was kind of the same thing. And then just- people that were into making Western films got influenced by Kurosawa, so it became this circular thing. And now we have this sci-fi offshoot. And as long as Star Wars keeps tapping this mine of like the the thing that made A New Hope so great, I'm yeah. happy. Like, you know, get rid of the fucking Jedi shit, put that back in the background, and let me see the rest of the world. That's the stuff I like. Yeah, and they're going to. I, you know, I I mean, of course, there's going to be some Jedis around because of you got to decide what you're going to do with the child. But a lot of it is checking out this. And I love how, like, none of the characters even really know about Jedis. Like, the Mandalorian didn't really even know what a Jedi was until it was explained to him. So it just shows you how big this universe is. It's like, while we think Jedis are all well-known throughout the, you know, universe, they're not. And there's just some places where they're myths. It makes sense, too, that the, um, boy, this is like almost a whole Mandalorian review we're doing. Uh, but it makes sense in the particular extremist version of Mandalorian faith that Din was raised in. Yeah. It makes sense that they wouldn't mention Jedi. Yeah. You know what were, I mean? They were enemies. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just, it's fucking, yeah, we got to get out of it because we have a whole movie that, you know, why we're actually here. I just, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just one of the best things. I'm, I'm rewatching, I watch it, I rewatch it. I've, I've watched every episode like five times just because I'm always catching shit. I love how they're using artwork creatures from the original Star Wars artwork in these shows. It's fucking amazing. It's just great. It's made by fans who want to make things specifically for the fans. And that's what's best about it. The slew of directors they've gotten for this is unbelievable. (laughs) They picked the right person for the right episode, too. Robert Rodriguez did the most action-packed episode that has ever been directed of Mandalorian yet. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all per- great. Everything's been great. So <laughs> that's what I'm doing. And also, I'm, I, I, I got into this whole Netflix conspiracy theory hole, but not like any of the bullshit, like uh, racist ones. I'm talking about like all the fun ones, like Bigfoot, Loch Ness, aliens, like fucking ghosts, all that kind of shit. So and, and presidential assassinations, you know, the fun conspiracy theories before <laughs> before jackasses took it over. It, it made it so you had to believe some horse shit. <laughs> well, those assholes have always been here. They just were hijacking your conspiracy theories more on the fringe, but they've been emboldened and hopefully you can push them back to the fringe and you can just yes. enjoy your stupid shit about, you know, aliens probing your anus. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, that's fun. <laughs> and- <laughs> All right. But the movie this week is House of Seven Corpses, which we have already yes. made the joke. It's 993 less than Rob <laughs> yeah. Zombie's version. You know, like you said, Rob Zombie, he just he fucking he, he went balls to the wall in that new the second version of this. <laughs> <laughs> he added 993 more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, holy shit. It, it's not even the same story. I don't know what the fuck's going on with that sequel, but fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he did remake this movie because it's exactly like how he remade Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. That's good. <laughs> oh, nice this is a star-studded cast of uh, celebrities from a bygone era of Hollywood. So we'll kind of talk oh, about that as we're we're dealing with it. But there's some real famous names from the golden age of Hollywood in this flick. Um, oh, see, I didn't know any of these people. So. Oh, see, I was expecting you to do some research, but clearly you didn't enjoy this one as much as you did last week because you never do the research when you don't enjoy it. Uh, I, I mean, I did a little, but I still don't recognize the names. I did research on the movie. 
not really the people in it. Oh, but well, I got that covered. You're so also we'll quite right. I did not enjoy this one as much as <gasps> I enjoyed the last one. Well, Weekend Murders is kind of a hard act to follow. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take the break here. We're gonna play the Legion GoFundMe promo after I've brought everybody down and made them not want to hear the review. When we come <laughs> back, we'll have a little bit of music that fits in sort of with the score for House of Seven Corpses because I couldn't get the actual score. And when we come back, we'll have the trailer. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time, and when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand-scale take-a-penny-leave-a-penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar for those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on. Well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. searched for horror ambiance and i feel like i've gotten it oh uh, yeah that that feels like it yeah <laughs> definitively ambiance yes the ambiance that sounds like something you'd hear standing in line at a hor- haunted house well yeah it's, say yeah it's, oh, i was about to say a horror movie that i was combined and said horror house <laughs> but like well <laughs> as long as it's on highway five i'm fine with that yeah right there you go <laughs> but i'm not fine with this trailer Inside the house of seven corpses is buried the memory of madness. Paralyzed with fear, the visitors wait for the unknown. This way, please. From the shadows of the tomb, the dead are summoned to fulfill an ancient curse. The dead rise and come to me. 
A curse no one can escape. What awaits you in the house of seven corpses is more than a fear you can't explain. I feel it. I feel something's gonna happen. Something terrible. A fate you can't prevent. You're insane. A death you can't escape. Seven bodies and one killer in the house of seven corpses. At the end of the last scream, death waits. The house of seven corpses holds a deadly secret. Must see it to believe it. Wow. Okay, I take Damn. that back. I actually really dug that trailer, but it oversells the film. <laughs> yeah, it really does. But it was a good trailer. I mean, that'll get you. Hey, it's it does what a trailer's supposed to do. Get get people in the seats to go see this movie. Because yeah, that sounds way awesome. Yeah, I don't know what fucking movie I watched, but it wasn't the movie they were talking about. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't I don't know what movie they just were promoting. I I wish I could have seen that one. I would have been probably way more into it. Way more than three clips. <laughs> so, House of Seven Corpses, we start with the first 20 minutes. We start out with paintings of, like, people of this house, and then we see deaths uh, that, what well, looks like the peeps in the paintings, but we later find out it's not. But you don't know that. So, anyway. Um, then we see uh, a lady, she's doing a chant, and then she... Uh, Here's like a zombie running about and she runs around and then as she's kind of at the bottom of the stairs, she shoots herself. Um, then a man's voice rings out and say, states that that's not how it happened. And we see this was a movie scene they were shooting and the old caretaker of the place, he kind of gets the cast together and all the crew and he's like, this isn't, that's not how any of that happened. Uh, he takes a group, including a very angry director, on a tour of the house. And he points out, like, he introduces them to all the seven family members who live there and how they all died. And he goes through how they all fucking died. And then he shows them to a room because you're like, when I think of restful time, I think of somebody explaining to me how everyone else who had lived in that house had died. All right. This is obviously a low budget film that is being made here, right? Yeah. I feel as though they should have still been staying off of the premises. It would have made it more eerie. They should have at least started where they weren't staying on the premises while they were shooting the film. I feel like they should have been in a hotel and then basically they started running out of time and stuff was going wrong. So then they just decided to pull an all night shoot and then all of the stuff, the events of the film should have all been one night. Out of the course yes. of a couple of days. That would have been good. Yeah, that's that's my first thing that I feel would have, you know, that court fixes movies, armchair directing style. Well, and also, like, make it seem like it's like they have to be in the castle. So it's almost like more of a trap feeling. Even though you're not trapped, you feel trapped. Well, like the time that they're going to shoot there all night, something happens to their cars yeah. and then everything else yeah. gets going. Something along those lines. What I feel here is like meandering and just kind of waiting for something to happen. And it just continues from here on out. Did you really have to explain the first hour and 28 movie in minutes of this movie? <laughs> 
<laughs> meander and just wait for something to happen. Way to go, Court. You just took my whole review. We could let end it now. All right. Well, I'll just shut up for the rest of the review then since I've gotten it all out and ruined the entirety of the movie. And uh, let's go. Yeah. All right. Uh, so anyway, um, after being shown to their rooms, one of the guys finds a black magic book called the Tibetan Book of the Dead. They read a few lines from it, and he goes, uh, the director says to keep it, and they're going to use it for using a, for chant lines in the actual movie. Um, then we see a couple of the actors, they're looking at this painting, and the painting has a cat in it. And one of the actresses, her she has her cat with her. And the cat gets totally entranced by this and then scratches one of the other actors. Dude, that's so fucking then, Grumpy Cat, face and all. Yeah, right? No shit. Well, like 50 years ago, Grumpy Cat. Yeah, no shit. It's a, it's something else. <laughs> and uh, it's a, we're already going to a weird place in this. And I'm like, oh my God, Court's the only thing he's singing. It's, oh, look at the kitty. <laughs> look at the kitty. <laughs> Come here, kitty. To be you know fair, that's did. pretty much every time I watch you a movie a and a cat's in it. Yeah. 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 Or just see a cat in general. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, then uh, the next day, uh, they act out more scenes, including a murder scene. And Faith, who is uh, one of the actresses there, she actually reads some lines from the book. And that all ends. There you go. That's the first 20 minutes. And not a lot happened. I mean, you get a sense that there's some foreboding that people lived in that household died in very mysterious ways but i mean this is one of the very first like hangout movies i can really think of where you're just kind of hanging around these characters while they're doing their stuff yeah. what i will say on the positive note of this is it's shot beautifully they do some really direct motions where a lot of the story is being told through what you're seeing the tibetan book of the dead set up where they just happen to find it here that's very clearly something that these people should not be fooling around with in this yeah. place it's a supposedly haunted house where allegedly black magic took place you find a book that was left behind and you decide to use that for realism you kind of are going to get what you deserve <laughs> yeah you, you're really not i mean why don't you just bring a ouija board and then start like taking a leak on graves i mean i mean this is all stuff that i do in these kinds yeah, of places well, uh, i mean of course you do i mean who do voodoo so, I'm that guy. I'm that yeah. guy that uh, like cuts open the barbed wire wrapped book that's bound in human flesh and inked in human blood and sits there and reads it out loud, even though someone scrawled very deeply into the page. Do not read this. Do not think it. Do not say it. All right. We start the next 20 minutes and they decide they're going to wrap for the day. Um, the assistant, David, tells his girlfriend, also an actress, Anne, that he'll be up later and he grabs the book. The director and cameraman, they go out and it's night and they're going to shoot some moonlight, some, you know, just setting shots. Um, the actor who was actually killed in the last scene, he uh, he turns in and as he gets in, he takes off his wig and mustache. So he looks very different. He gets completely drunk and leaves his room. Uh, then we cut back to David and Anne are in bed. David reads from the book and Anne gets up and she's really pre pissed off. Like, she does not like this. And then they see the caretaker, Price. He's in the graveyard. And as they watch him, they watch him apparently enter one of the graves. Like, actually, like, just open up, like, a ground door and just looks like he's going downstairs. Almost like it's a panic room. Um, or it's like a secret vault, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Faith is just hanging out in her room, uh, and she's reading her lines, and her cat, they hear some noises, and the cat is not down with it, and it is kind of at the door. 
Uh, she goes to the door, see if anyone's there, and when she opens in a crack, the cat runs out. As she looks, the drunk asshole actor, well, he gets, he finds her, and he gets all rather rapey with her. Like, really rapey. Like, unfortunately rapey. Disgustingly so. Yeah. Like, this is just not right. So, you people shouldn't be doing this. What do you mean by you people? What do you mean by you people? You rapists should not be doing this. You rapists should not be doing any of this. How dare you, sir? So luckily then the director shows back up with uh, his uh, crewmate. And we get a whole lot of awesome, just fucking victim blaming in our first clip. If you didn't come by, that maniac would have raped me. You sure dressed for it. Well, I was looking for Cleon. He got out of my room. He's down here someplace. He's a big kitty now. He can take care of himself. Eric, please. Listen, baby, we're going to be shooting early in the morning, and you've got to get some sleep. Or there'll be bags under our bags. And there isn't enough makeup in the world to cover that up. You still want me to be beautiful, don't you? I always want you to be beautiful. Was I beautiful in the first movie you put me in? Breathtaking. Do you still think I'm beautiful? To me, you'll always be beautiful. You don't. They start making out after that, and it looks like they're going to go upstairs for a little nookie time. And then she kind of stays behind looking for the cat, so he freaks out about it and just heads upstairs. Uh, the director's not a good dude. All right, we need to talk about there's at least the there's four main like well three actors from the golden age and then uh-huh. one actress that is like you know the other top build that was well known at the time and became more well known later on as well. Um, the two that were in this scene, Faith uh, Domergu, I think is how her name is pronounced. I, I'm reading it now because I only knew her from one thing, and I'll, I'll get into that. And the other one is John Ireland is the actor who plays the director now. Oh, okay. The lady who plays Gail Dorian, I recognized her from This Island Earth. She was like the main lady in This Island Earth, one of the scientists. Oh, wow. <laughs> the one who like, you know, keeps running and falling down and everything and like right. from the metal mutant the, being super terrified. They just tripping over nothing. <laughs> Basically, like just the most cliche shit you could have a female character do. Yeah. They, they made poor faith do in This Island Earth, which if you had seen the uh, MST3K full-fledged movie, the movie that they review during that is this island earth so it's that lady okay now john ireland on the other hand was like pretty well known for like a shitload of fucking westerns and action films and everything like that he had done some directing he's done acting all over the place i mean he's just been goes really far back i mean he's got like 260 some odd fucking credits on imdb alone so john ireland most people should probably recognize from something at some point now everybody has to recognize john carradine you had to have seen him in something i mean even if it's just the howling you know john carradine's the caretaker and he was oh, the old okay, guy in yeah. the howling that was complaining about how he's lost his teeth and he doesn't want to live anymore john carradine has been in a shitload of stuff on stage and screen as well i mean like 10 commandments uh tons of like universal monster movies he was he took over for dracula for a while for lugosi in the universal series towards the end of those run and stuff like that he goes that far back to like the 40s and 50s and and more importantly to me john carradine sired several of the Carradine children that we now watch on TV, including Mr. Kung Fu himself, David Carradine. Oh, okay. Uh, The main nerd in Revenge of the Nerds, uh, that's one of the Carradine siblings. Jesus. And then the sister, Eva, I believe is her name, she was in, um, if you watched Eureka, she played the sheriff's estranged hippie sister that kept showing up and annoying him in Eureka. I never watched Eureka. (gasps) Oh! 
<gasps> you should. You would probably love it. Anyway, that's oh, okay. that's the the actors and actresses. And there's a bunch of other people that you would probably recognize from other movies and things like that. And while the film itself is meandering and taking its goddamn time, these actors are chewing the scenery and making everything they can out of their dialogue. And you even hear it in that clip. Like, yeah. Every ounce of pettiness that that guy playing Eric, that John Ireland can put into everything that Eric says, he truly does. He is such a shallow, scared little boy of a man that even the slightest bit of, hey, can you just help me look for my cat that disappoints him that he's not immediately going to get laid makes him just abandon the woman who almost was sexually assaulted. And he still also almost still blamed her for getting almost sexually assaulted. Yeah, he victim blamed her for what happened here when she was walking around in a very modest bathrobe that was tightly tied. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that uh, that 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 she could be, you know, be. I mean, yeah, she. It was such a little bathrobe. What the fuck? I mean, not little, big. I mean, it was a fucking robe. <laughs> it probably could have fit me and Matt inside of it, and it was wrapped around her twice. I've seen Jedi robes more revealing. For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> and we're full circle. So now that talk yeah. actually means something. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, let's let's continue. I just wanted to kind of bring that up, talk about the actors and the actresses, because it is one of the plus sides to this film. While it takes a really long time to do what it's doing, if you're okay with sitting and having a hangout film, you will really enjoy the work that these actors are doing. Yes. So um, after that, the director runs into Annie and David uh, as they're out, and they talk about how um, they saw the caretaker in the graveyard, and they asked if he had seen him, and he said not only had seen him, he's like, I asked him to do it. And they're kind of, they're amazed. They're like, you you asked him? And they're like, yeah. And he goes, uh, it was if he's going to be lurking around the set, might as well like put him to work and stuff. So, uh, and then they go, okay, so did you also have him go inside the grave? And he was like, what? And he's like, I never asked him to do that. So now they all kind of got a little like creeped out. See, if this director, what's going on. yeah, if this director was the scumbag that they're trying to make him out to be, he'd be like, wait, you can open up something and go into the graveyard? We are totally putting that in the film. Right? Yeah. Jeez, why didn't anybody tell me this? Let's go kill this. <laughs> Not necessarily let's kill the guy, but they're like, yeah. let's see how, if he can show us how to open it up and let's film people going in and coming out of that shit at least, because that's I mean, awesome. That would make sense. Yeah, that's, that's like the first thing that happened in the movie that I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. What's going to happen with that? Spoiler alert, yeah. nothing. Then nothing happened with that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fucking awesome. The guy opened up some weird hatch door like in the middle of a fucking small seven-person graveyard, and I'm down. Yeah, it was it was a it was a really cool scene. Um so then uh the next day uh shooting while well, Faith is acting, she they're kind of she's walking through like this water sprinkler type thing. And as she's walking, she screams. And David actually goes, "Well, that's real." And they find her cat ripped in half on the lawn. Jesus. <gasps> Like, yeah, that, that sucked. That wasn't fucking necessary at all. Um, it's obviously so, a very, very fake cat that looked nothing like her actual cat. It was just something yeah, that they I mean, used wasn't as a prop. Like, I mean, yeah, it was a prop, but it just sucks because, you know. Yeah, something but, ripped a fucking cat in half. And yeah. it looked pretty fucking realistic, even though it didn't look anything like her cat. I mean, it still had guts and stuff coming out. It was pretty well done. And the actress fucking sells it. The shock and horror on her face and the screaming she does, it breaks your fucking heart. And this film fucking went there. And I feel yeah. like my dislike for this movie branched from this moment, and I just never gave it another chance. It was, a, yeah, and so... The director then gets uh, pissed off and he goes looking for Price, who they've decided to, he, he was like, it's got to be the caretaker. So he goes looking through his room and he sees, he actually finds um, 
Uh, as he's checking his room, we see Price crawling back into the grave part. Um, Eric finds a gun in the room, and he takes that. Uh, and he has, so he has that as a weapon now. Then Price walks in, and that's our next clip. If you're looking for the silver, it's in the main house. Mr. Price, this is the last time you'll interfere with my filming. Are you mad I haven't been near your filming? Stop playing games. Why did you kill that cat? What? Sometime last night, half of Miss Dorian's cat was neatly deposited on the lawn. Are you accusing me of this vulgarity? Part of a headstone was found nearby. I took it to be your calling card. A headstone? Was there a name? No. Are sure? No name on the headstone? None. I didn't expect you'd sign it. You're insane. Am I? What are you doing with that chisel, baking a cake? Obviously, you'll give me no peace until you've ransacked my entire house. Close the door. Your family room? Strange things have happened here, Mr. Hartman. Unimaginable things. That's why I'm making my picture here, Price. Other than that, I don't give a damn. Mr. Hartman, Mrs. Beale was experimenting with the occult when she died. Her death was no ordinary suicide, I assure you. What you're doing here, the subject matter of your film, whatever... I believe you to be in great danger yourself. Price, I've made a lot of films, mostly about witchcraft. And you and I both know that it's all a lot of crap. Perhaps, perhaps not. But there are signs, Mr. Hartman. I've seen them. This cat that was killed. What is it, Price? The devil? Did the devil kill the cat? Or maybe a ghost or a vampire? Or what about you? I should have realized it would do no good to try to talk to you. I'm glad we both understand each other. Since you found your own way in, I'm sure you can manage to find your own way out. I'll do that. Good day, sir. And you stay off my set. Trying to out-creep each other. I know. And I said good day. <laughs> good day, sir. So, and that kind of ends that 20 minutes. So we've had a little more, you know, action at least. The discussion that's going back and forth between John Carradine's character and John Ireland's character really just kind of encapsulates what the film's trying to do with it here where they're like trust us there are signs of evil things going on we just found a dead cat you yeah. know that's that's you know it's not necessarily a devil it's not necessarily a vampire what could it possibly be they hint at things and try to like set it up that maybe something's there and they're trying to rely on like this dread and sense of you know impending doom that's supposed to be building but the film doesn't really do anything to ratchet up the tension. And would you be surprised to hear that this is the only time the person that made this film has directed a film, Matt? No, I would not be surprised. That makes complete sense. 
Yeah, this is their only film, and I can kind of see where what they were trying to do, but it doesn't quite work. There's really no tension here. You're just hanging out with various characters. There's some interactions that are cringy and make you uncomfortable, but then we immediately go somewhere else, and then there's really no tension being built. There's no sense of impending doom, and it just turns out that walking into the gravestone thing meant nothing at all. Yeah. Like, like there's not really anything there. <laughs> of course you know? not. And then the chunk of gravestone doesn't matter because there's a gravestone missing. There's technically a house of eight corpses, but only seven of them have headstones. So that's 992 corpses less than Rob Zombies. Right. Yeah. We just didn't do the math right. So. Well, they say seven corpses, but then they tell us eight now. We just now found out that there are eight graves. Yeah, it's horseshit. I don't know. Maybe their math is wrong. We'll see. (laughs) All right. So we start the next 20 minutes. Eric rejoins the group and he finds out Faith is leaving. She's done. She's packing up. She's had enough of all this horse shit. So Eric goes up and admonishes her. And actually, that's our final clip. No need for a scene, Eric. I just can't take this place anymore. This house, this movie. I just can't stand it another minute. I'm going back to Hollywood if I have to hitchhike. Okay, baby. I understand. In the meantime, what am I supposed to do with my movie? Well, get a new ending. Do it on a set. I don't care, Eric. I just want to go home. Do it on the set. Baby, we got to finish this picture tonight, here. You know what it would cost me to move into the studio and build a set? I got to bring this in for a price. No, money, money. Is that all you can think about? What about me? I tell you, I feel threatened and I can't stand it another minute. Same old ego, still working, huh? I, I, I. Everything for Gail to hell with everyone else. Oh, Eric, you don't have to... Listen, baby. What you're pulling might have worked in the studios ten years ago, but not here and not now. And sure as hell not on my picture. Eric, you're hurting me. Go on, leave. But you're walking all right. And when you get there, you're going to find out just how tough it is for a middle-aged beauty queen to get a job in the acting profession or even in the profession I first found you in. I'll expect you on the set in 10 minutes. In your wardrobe. Dude, Eric is an asshole! Dude, Eric is a dick! Oh, man, a dick. We have not had a scumbag of this caliber on the show in a while. It's been a long while. That is for damn sure. And and yeah, so, I mean, what are you assuming? She was an escort, probably? I think that's what he's getting at, yeah. Yeah. And that she lucked into acting because he's been putting her in movies because they're in a relationship together. And that's all sorts of fucking cringy just thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, holy shit. He so degrades her and he's supposed to be like together with her and he's calling her baby at the start of the film and he's clearly just treating her like fucking property and it's just gross. Right? It's just gross and disgusting. Fuck you, Eric. So, yeah. th- they shoot more scenes, including another death scene, and it, it, a lot of this is just shooting scenes and it's it, it kind of gets in there. Um, We understand you're shooting a movie. So then David decides to read from the book, the Tibetan death book, to Anne. As he reads the the lines, the ground around the grave starts to shake, and, and we see a dead hand start rising. Um, uh, the caretaker, he starts to hear the rumble and is wondering what's going on. So then they all decide to shoot the next scene, and Faith again starts reading from the book. And, and again, this causes uh, the graves to rumble. And it's like the, the phrase they keep reading, is like dead rise and come to me or that something like 
like that, right? Uh, yeah, so. it really, really reminded me of the exorcism for ghosts that's in the handbook of the recently deceased. I mean, deceased. De- de- deceased? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that Otho reads at the end of Beetlejuice, right? Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Very similar to that, and it was delivered I don't almost know, man. the same. That thing just reads like stereo instructions. <laughs> Oddly enough, I have no problem understanding stereo instructions, which is probably why I'm not afraid of those kind of texts. Yeah, right. <laughs> You'd be like, all right, I get this figured out. We're fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, parameters vary from manifestation to manifestation, which basically means we don't really know how far you can go. You got to have to look through your own boundaries because every manifestation is different. Yeah, pretty much. All it's right. not that hard to understand the handbook for the recently diseased. Deceased. Deceased. Sorry. Deceased. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The the handbook for the recently diseased is quite more. Uh, it's, it's stay inside. <laughs> Also, for some of us, it might just mean you need a shot of penicillin. Yeah, oh, that too. (laughs) So, um, anyway, uh, the caretaker hears the rumbles, like I said. Um, the face reads and we see the more, more graves are being, you know, rumble in there. The caretaker, he does go outside. He checks them out. We see a hand start to come out. Uh, we see more of, uh, the scene that's being shot with Faith and Anne as they are raising their dead co-star, you know, the, the first, the, the rapey co-star he's in the movie is being raised in the movie they're shooting is being raised from the dead he's raising we see the hand grab the caretaker and strangles him to death and the scene finishes with the zombie killing both the women uh and then we go launching into our final 20 minutes that was quick okay let's go yeah it's a it's a quick movie uh this movie goes quick i will say that it does not go long yeah it's 88 minutes but you feel most of it you you feel a lot of it it's it's just how it goes once we get to the part where they actually like the fight that happens and the one co-star tries to rape our main female character like once that starts happening that night moving on it speeds up significantly it it does but it's like half the film you have to wait half the film before things start moving yeah you you really do uh so the final 20 minutes get going and they they finish the scene and we see the uh, zombies walking off away from the dead caretaker they're gonna shoot some uh now that this is the end of the movie and faith wants to leave but uh, eric's like no we have to stay the night because we have to shoot grave stuff and get more ambiance but after that we can leave in the morning so the group the crew starts breaking down the set and we see the z walking around one guy, he takes some stuff outside to throw into the van, and we hear him scream as the zombie approaches. Then the zombie walks into the house, and he kills two of the other crew members. Um, Eric and David, they're preparing to shoot the graveyard, and we see the zombie walking upstairs. Anne is getting a shower as she's kind of old bloody from her scene. Which we uh, don't Faith, see anything. It's no, just you don't a see tease. Nothing. Yeah, this is a it's PG movie. A yeah. Faith hears uh, some noise. She goes to check it out, and she sees the zombie and screams and runs. Uh, The older actor hears the screaming and thinks that, you know, maybe she found the other half of her dead cat, and he decides he's going to pay his his respect, so he leaves his room. Faith, uh, she goes to Eric's room and finds the gun that Eric had found. Uh, She's going through the house, and she sees a figure, and she shoots. This alerts Anne, who's getting out of the shower, drying off. She hears the gunshots. She keeps shooting, and we see the person who she shot was actually the actor. Was that easy uh, to tell for you from the... The print that you had of it, or yeah, that that it was him. Yeah, yeah. It, okay, yeah, you see it, it after like the first shot. He's stumbling around. Right. It was Ball-headed. pretty obvious to me as well. And I just got to talk the zombie makeup they did on him, like in their movie that. 
that character yeah. makeup that made him look like old school ghoul that was all yeah. just like grease paint looked pretty fucking awesome. And whoever did that, I did thought a it looked job. really good. Yeah. yeah. He looked like a better zombie than the actual zombies. Oh, let's move on. <laughs> well, for my taste. How about that? Because that's all subjective. Okay, so, let's, we'll okay. just move on. Yeah, we'll move on. I don't want you to get mad. That's not <laughs> um, so Faith is shocked as to what she sees. She starts like crying because she didn't mean to kill this guy. She thought she was firing at zombie. She stumbles into a black doorway and we see the zombie's arms envelop her and then gets up. She goes looking around and she finds Faith hanging there dead. She's been hung and she passes out as the zombie moans. So she was hung just like the woman that she was playing died. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, as Eric and David shoot the graves, they find the caretaker dead. Uh, then David, they see an open grave and David gets all real pushy with Eric saying he wants him to go take a look and he keeps trying to push him in there. Well, this causes a fight and we don't know why, but all of a sudden David's just fucking lost it. They fight some more and then Eric does a fucking Captain Kirk type kick flip. Double boot David. kick. Yeah. Fucking kicking him right into the open grave. Uh, Eric then finds that this particular grave has David's name on it. Dun, dun, then, dun. We, then we see a zombie David emerging uh, from the... Uh, uh, from the grave so he's all decomposed and everything so was this the makeup you were saying that the grease paint looked better than yes i agree okay uh eric runs away and as he's running he turns into your old uh 80s movie female lead and trips and hits his own head because he's been tripping oh, so move on uh, so he hits his head Eric comes back too. He gets up and he starts. Uh, he finds his first dead crew member, and then he goes inside the house, finds the other two dead crew members. Um, as he freaks out even more, he sees his entire film as has been uh, ruined. That's the only thing exposed. that he cares about, though. He doesn't cry yes. about anything else. He's upset well, that he, he lost kinda, his film. I, I will say this: I'll defend him. He was crying about finding the dead crew members. He was very sad about it. I I have to give him that. But he freaked out more about finding the exposed film yeah he was way he, more upset about having yeah. his film destroyed than anything yes. else and he asked why 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 what did i do and it's like well you've been kind of an asshole and as he's asking why why we see zombie david throw a huge camera over a ledge uh you know from a stairwell and it drops and killing eric that was a great um, this, shot, watching that track down. That yeah. That was cool. Zombie David, then he kind of walks over a bridge, and he sees Anne dead floating down a stream. Zombie David picks her up, takes, his, takes her back to his grave. Roll credits. Okay, so was David dead the whole time and then tricked them all here so that he could kill them? Like, does the film I, ever explain that? It never explains it, but here is my my own thought on it. Okay, you give me your interpretation and I'll see if I agree with you. David was very into the Tibetan Book of the Dead. He started reading it. Uh, he read it more than anybody else. And just because he didn't say the lines out loud, he was saying it to himself. And I believe he read some sort of passage that turned him into a, a crazed person and then turned him into a zombie. And then the unmarked grave that the caretaker couldn't place became his grave and so it was supernaturally uh done huh. 
I, it, 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 you give me a better idea, then there you go. But I don't think David was always a zombie because he's, you know, he's had a girlfriend for a long time. I believe he just fucking read the wrong passage from a bad book and it turned him fucking wonky. Well, David was reading from the book out loud before he got interrupted. Mm-hmm. I feel that David was replaced by some kind of a spirit from the other side that's one of the dead in the house. And so found a way to make the actual dead person rise. They're both their name just happened to be David, but the other David was a David from the other time frame in this house. It wasn't like the same person. And I don't okay. think it was like a reincarnation or anything like that. I just think that it just so happened that both their names were David. The other thing I think the film was trying to imply is that his spirit went out, had a girlfriend for like ever and brought them all back or he's raised from the dead and he has to keep killing the same amount of people to stay fresh raised from the dead. So he tricked them all back or something like that. The film doesn't really explain it. It's open to interpretation. It, yeah, it's very open to interpretation because yeah, I'm just like when David went crazy, I sat there. I'm like, why is David going crazy? What's uh, well, what's up, Doc? And if you and- if you look too, he sees the body. Like when they're getting ready to set up and film, and when he's moving the light, yeah. he he clearly sees the body. He looks right at it. He yeah. looks. Then he looks at the director and waits for the director to notice it. So it's obvious that his character is off because he's fucking around with him in some way, shape, or form at the very start of that scene. Yeah. That's why I was thinking the night before, whenever he starts reading the book and then before they go to film the scene and then they're shooting it, like, you know, and he's nowhere to be seen. So maybe yeah. he's already gone and his his soul is the thing that's bringing back the cool look like creature that kills everybody else. I don't know. I just feel I like it's know. a hodgepodge of ideas that they didn't really fully explore or do anything with. They rely very heavily on atmosphere, but it spends too much time as a hangout film to really make creepy atmosphere and just an impending sense of doom really build and all of that. Uh it's just it's real uneven and it's like a bunch of different ideas that don't quite work together but the thing that makes me enjoy this and the thing that makes me glad that I have it on Blu-ray is the cinematography and I really love the interaction between the actors uh, they really go for it with their dialogue and they're really trying to project and make you feel something in the moments that they're talking or arguing and being petty and bitchy. Everything about those people when they're doing their scenes, like every single individual person that's in this film, when they are interacting with each other, the cringy moments are super fucking cringy and they work. Yeah, they're they're really... Uh... They got a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, everybody's you know, kind of a piece of shit in this film in some way, shape, or form. Except for, you know what, David and Anne aren't. Well, David they're, ended they're up very, being... Well, he just went crazy because of the fucking movie. Or the movie because of the fucking book. And, okay, then if you even take out David, Anne's probably an okay person. Even the set guys weren't bad dudes. I mean, they didn't do anything bad to anybody. Uh, so, But the director was a piece of shit. Even <sighs> Faith is just uh, an aging woman in Hollywood. Aging woman in hollywood and you know that's never a good thing even to this day for I women i did you know, sympathize one of the with things i did sympathize with Anne. she's yeah, probably Anne, the one character but i just felt faith, like all of the- I, I sympathize with faith too it, because she was obviously in an abusive relationship with that director yeah i do sympathize with both the female characters but there's yeah. not a single male character that i really even liked and i feel like they're all just kind of doing something grifty and shady like they just everybody feels greasy on screen yeah the two female actors to me until the end but yeah well i don't know i'm just trying to find something else to really discuss about the film because we just now hit an hour and i know it's kind of running out of stuff there's not a a lot to it 
it's it's there all isn't. atmosphere and scenery, it's, and that's all gorgeous. Yeah. But you have to see it to really like talking about that. You not have to, do but much I I will say that I don't. Do you think they actually shot shot in a castle, or do you think that was just a Hollywood set? Uh, they actually shot in Salt Lake City, Utah, for this film, and I believe uh. that that was a like really palatial estate. It was a historical site as well because it, it looked was, like it was someplace in England in the exterior, yeah. but it wasn't. It it was it was really cool looking. Uh, there's no no absolutely no problems with that a great scenery the story did just lack though yeah there wasn't really much to it and it meanders no. the whole goddamn it's... film and it doesn't really start picking up till over halfway through and even then it doesn't really pick up the pace enough to make up for the meandering at the beginning it's not a def- slow burn it's like a can't get the fucking log to light yeah i had to like man that was a that was a rough way to try to get even three clips out of this <laughs> Yeah, just like there, there. I mean, there's no real dialogue. It's a very heavily visual flick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for a first time director, um, not bad. Uh, if you'd have told me this guy had directed many movies, I'd have been like, well, then this is bad. But for a first time director, not bad. Uh, cinematography was pretty good. Yeah, a just lot of the, the shots story were really well done. Yeah, there's just not much yeah. to the story, and that's unfortunately that happens with a lot and of. And then first a films. lot of holes to the story. You know, why is David gone crazy? Yeah. At least like maybe show him reading something that caused him to go crazy or something like that it just out of nowhere he just goes crazy he doesn't even have like a slow build to crazy like he acts differently around Anne or around other people and they're saying oh i wonder what's wrong with david it's it's just fully him he one minute he's normal and the next minute he's fucking nuts and you just got to sit there and go okay we need a little bit more build up Okay, so the story had holes. First time director, you get it. However, they nailed it on cinematography. Great shots. Um, and the acting for what the actors got, I thought was pretty good. I also just want to point out, this is a PG rated film from 1974. And... It feels very much like the kind of thing where if I would have caught it on a Sunday afternoon TV broadcast, I would have sat through the entire thing and watched it, build up yeah. with whatever I had gotten after church lunch-wise, and just really enjoyed it, and maybe even sort of tried not to fall asleep until after it was over kind of deal. Like, that's a the nice, kind of movie it is. A rainy day, midday afternoon A nice afternoon lazy film. Sunday. Yeah, a nice lazy Saturday or Sunday afternoon movie yeah. when it's raining outside kind of film. Like, you would have no complaints watching it like that. No, I wouldn't at all. I think it would be good. Yeah. And it's the cinematography would keep you definitely busy and everything. And and that's basically the gist of the entirety of the film. I mean, it's shot beautifully. There's some really great moments with the actors. There's some real greasy stuff that kind of sink your teeth into for entertainment. And it still ends up being PG and you could put it on broadcast TV. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but yeah, not much else to say about it. <laughs> nope. That's exactly why we're going to take the break right now. We're going to play the promo for Greek Radio Daily. I guess that's going to be the new promo. I'm going to jam everybody down everybody's throats without their consent. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, they listen to the show, so that's kind of a consent. Yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're, they know what they got themselves into. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll have a little bit more music that is befitting of the house of seven or eight corpses. Like maybe it's seven and a half. Well, now horses. it's now it's like seven more, so it's like fourteen or fifteen. Uh, did we divide by two yet? I just Fuck. don't do it by zero because that never works. I hate algebra. Are you having trouble keeping up with the ebbs and flows of modern geekery? Is the real world holding you back from knowing what is happening in the geeky world? To answer these and other personal problems brought in by your friends, gaming group, and loved ones. Geek Radio Daily presents daily informational sessions brought to you by the wonderful Billy Flynn, the Flynnstress, and podcasting's Rich Siegfried. They contain such helpful segments as history, geek birthdays, box office results, the latest in DVD and Blu-ray, video game and comic releases. 
Why, they also have a weekly show hosted by the wonderful Billy Flynn and the Flynnstress, which includes interviews and commentary. And to make sure you are informed, Geek Radio Daily also provides you with your daily dose of geek news to make sure you know more than that jerk know-it-all Steve. Visit us at geekradiodaily.com. That's right, Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. Now available in fine Corinthian leather. So that's music that fits with House of the 17 Corpses. The House of 2 divided by 4 and A equals X for X is 6 corpses. <laughs> that is the closest to math Matt has ever done. I My head hurts. <laughs> well, it's time to get rid of that headache by giving me some science. This one comes from a man, Chris Mounts. Yeah, our other cub field reporter, right? Yes. And that is a Hungarian, uh, anti-gay Hungarian politician has resigned after being caught by police fleeing a 25-man orgy through a window. I've had seven dicks inside of me. I'm homosexual. Oh, this, I'm taking a, another dick. Come in to me! This is a 25-man <laughs> one. Um, yeah, but I mean, anyway, he, he prop uh, what I'm what I'm getting at here is that the, that whole thing is basically that guy's in the closet and being like such yes. a homophobic anti-gay activist and turns out I'm homosexual. Pretty much. Pretty much. So uh, let me get into this here. So it was 25. It was 25. Yeah, people it was anti-gay Hungarian. He resigned after being caught by a police feeling a 25 man orgy through a window. Everyone will be coming on my face. Every one of oh. the 25? I guess that that's what he probably wanted. So a member of the European Parliament representing Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban's Fidesz party has resigned from his position in Brussels after he was caught leaving what reports described as a 25 man orgy on Friday. Oh, he's looking for Wang. Man. We're back to dicks. Joseph Salazar, or Sezger, I don't, I won't fucking, I don't know. He resigned on Sunday after he admitted to breaching Belgium's strict lockdown rules to attend a sex party. Politico reported on Tuesday, the police found 25 naked men at the gathering, including Sezger and some diplomats. Everyone will the be Belgian coming on newspaper, my face. Uh, a Belgian newspaper reported. The newspaper quoted the local police force as saying, we interrupted a gangbang. 
Uh, <laughs> and earn your rectal passage. Orban's Hungarian government has curtailed LGBTQ rights since he was elected prime minister in 2010. Sazager, who fronted Fidesz in the European Parliament, helped rewrite Hungary's constitution pr- to protect the institution of marriage as a union of a man and a woman. My asshole actually sweat. Sesager, uh, a right-wing politician and ally of Orban, climbed out of a first-floor window and was spotted fleeing along the gutter. The public prosecutor's office said, uh, has said a source close to the investigation told Politico that officers were called after a complaint about a nighttime disturbance. Authorities said that narcotics were found in Salzger's bag. Salzger insisted that he had not taken drugs. Yet. He, he should add yet. God yet. doesn't see what you do, Adel, because I like abuse and free drugs. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So uh, authorities say, uh, so the public prosecutor's, the public prosecutor's office said a passerby reported to the police they had seen a man fleeing along the gutter. He was able to identify the man. The man's hands were bloody. It is possible he may have been injured while fleeing. Narcotics were found in his backpack. The man is unable to produce any identifying documents. He was escorted to his place of residence, where he identified himself as SJ by means of a diplomatic passport. Holy shit. Salazar said on Tuesday that he was present at a private party and apologized after police asked for my identity since I did not have my ID on me. Does this I make de- me gay? He also said. He, yeah, I declared I was a MEP, he said. The police continued to process and finally issued an official verbal warning and transported the man home. Old cops are bumbling dummies. To he hell states with the he, police. Deeply re- he deeply regrets violating the COVID restrictions. He was irresponsible on his part and he is ready to stand for the fine that occurs. Man, that's just the worst hand job ever. He asks everyone not to extend it to his homeland or his political community. I mean, they're lesbian vampires. Why would they want to put their teeth in man meat? Uh, you know what, though? I'm that, that's, that's God honestly right. Why would they? I hooked up with a bad boy. Yeah, I mean, you know, there is some people who like that. So, bad boys and shit like that. I mean, that's pretty much how court got all the women is because I know. like abuse and free drugs. <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's see here. And yes, so that's the end of that story. So again, another <laughs> conservative politician. It's not just happening in America. It happens everywhere. Another conservative politician who, you know, thinks gay people are dangerous turns out to be gay themselves. Yeah. Probably your typical closet self-loather. Like a Lindsey Grant. <coughs> Excuse yeah. me. Pissed that others get to live out uh, full, fulfilling, authentic lives. And so they have to ruin that for them. Because if they can't, well, then neither can anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Which makes them, I don't feel bad for those type of people. Makes them even bigger assholes. Kind of. This is one I just found on my own. Uh, <laughs> this one just in from our very own Matt Syop. Uh From The Guardian, uh, Christian group tears down mysterious monolith. Uh, on California Mountain. I think Darren or someone in our Darren group did that. post yeah. this. Yes. Okay. Darren posted Darren this. Did. I just yeah. found this as well. But yeah, Darren, give him credit. He he did post this. Yeah. Uh, this is of, fucked up. <laughs> yeah. A group of young men claim to be Christians have posted a video. And guess what hats they were wearing? Uh, I'll give you three guesses. You only need one. Uh, MAGA. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is Dude, like traces of death. Fucked a porno. Yeah, a group of young men claim to be Christians have posted a video of themselves turning down a mysterious monolith. America has a bunch of cunts. Atop California mountain and replaced it with a cross. 
The monolith had been built near the town of Astracradio. I fucking what? Who would live there? I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> and uh, or pronounce it. I can spell it now because I see it, but I can't OMG, pronounce it. A juice drinking game. It sparked huge interest after appearance of a similar silvery metal faced monolith ha- that had been discovered in the deserts of Utah. That original monolith, which attracted hundreds of curious sightseers and garnered headlines worldwide, was also destroyed by visitors who were captured, taken it down, and carried away uh, by an observer's mobile phone video. That now cock and the, shit, it's like metal. Now, the California monolith has met a similar kind of fate, according to a report in the San Luis Tribune. In a video which was live streamed and posted online, the group of young men d- drive from Calif- Southern California to dare down the structure under cover of darkness. They head up to the structure and tear it down while chanting, Christ is King. They then erect a homemade wooden cross in its place, drag the remains of the monolith down the mountain to their car. During the minnow, during the video, the men also make offensive comments and drink substantial quantities of energy drinks while also referencing Donald Trump and QAnon conspiracy theory, and their mission is to demonstrate how much we love Jesus Christ. It's micro penis time. The vandalism has now angered local officials. It's micro penis time. Hey Voted fuckers, we- religion's bullshit. God's not real. We are upset that these young men felt the need to drive five hours to come into our community and vandalize the monolith. The mayor, uh, Heather Moreno, has said the monolith is something unique and fun in an otherwise stressful time. So, um, again, uh, uh, Trumpers uh, just got to ruin anything that's a good time. So we're going to be pushing the Christian agenda right down your fucking throat. Apparently. I mean, what a bunch of... Fucking just the worst. Praying to God, that's what assholes do. If you pray, you're an asshole. <laughs> I mean, holy fuck, dude. Just, I mean, they can't ever just let people have fun. Uh, these guys were also doing videos and stunt videos of some sort. I read this in another article. I think it's in the one that Darren posted. There's a little bit more about, like... The actual guys that are pulling this stuff. Oh, yeah. They've been arrested for like burning crosses and shit, or they had media taken down because they were burning crosses and were videoing it. So they're very clearly white Christian nationalists. Oh, yeah. The very, very special offshoot of white nationalists that's even fucking worse because they're justifying yeah. the Christianity. Somehow they're more fucking annoying <laughs> and more disgusting. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. but i should have led with that one and ended with the 25 man gate orgy at least some people are having fun in that one i mean you're bound to have people having fun when there's 25 gay men having an orgy i mean right i mean also that's somebody who brought the snacks (laughs) i don't know but they were a godsend i could use a sandwich (laughs) and on that more upbeat note we're gonna play the ending legion promo and we're gonna have a little bit more music when we come back that fits with the film house of 15 ish corpses maybe carry the one and (laughs) i think i believe it's house of 26 divided by 2 times X, where Y equals 7 corpses. Yeah, and then when we come back, we'll close out this show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, 
obsessive cinema discourse pick six movies the podcast by the cemetery the podcast on haunted hill the psycho semantic podcast rick radio house of wax dude looks like the 80s rabbit and red radio the shade cast short bus cinema two drink minimum commentaries the vd clinic who will survive horror podcast and which versus the doomsday clock with such a widespread of shows there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with horror politics movies books sex music commentaries health video games kaiju action news comedy and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world we are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world check us out at www.legionpodcast.com itunes spotify stitcher youtube and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found trying to fill in a week because we can't skip a week like Mitchum. Yeah, right? I, I, I mean, some hey, sometimes, guys, you're going to have really great movies we're going to really be able to get into. Other times, it's this. <laughs> sometimes we'll have a movie that we absolutely hate, but while we're reviewing it, decide we absolutely love it, like Horror yeah. House on Highway 5. <laughs> well, I, 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 or, you know, if we really, really hate it, at least it's entertaining because we're talking about how much we hate it. Like Veronica. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, this didn't elicit any emotional response. Which is almost the worst thing a movie can do is to just leave yeah. you completely unaffected by it in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, pretty much. It was. That's a sad, sad thing. Well, if you'd like to experience more sad and tragic things, I highly recommend checking out our main landing and launching page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. The most tragic sadness on display at all times on our previous 277 episodes of us screaming into the void, begging for some kind of self-congratulatory recognition. For somebody to love me. Validate us, please. We need please. external validation. One place that you can give us said for external validation is our Facebook group, Cinema Psyops. 
You can also find us on Facebook. I am Court Psyops if you would like to externally validate me there. You can also yeah. externally validate Matt at as Matt Psyop on Facebook. You can also reach us via email. You can email your external validation feedback to Matt Psyop, Matt at gmail.com. Let him know he's doing an okay job and that he should be proud of the work he does for Cinema Psyops. Just somebody help me. You can email feedback to Court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com and externally validate him there and know he's not talking sexually because his wife would not be down with that. No, that would probably not be a good thing for you. You can also tweet a couple of tweets. On the hate-filled shit fest that's getting better every day, I follow more and more porn bots. That is Twitter. I mean, if you just stick to the porn bots on Twitter, you're going to have a good time. Yeah, it's actually kind of fun that way. I am at court underscore psyop there, and he is at psyop Matt. We are also available on the gram of Insta, where the porn bots are directing me to various pages and OnlyFans and then people that are on Instagram, and then the Instagram people are having me follow them on Twitter. Twitter, back and forth. Because they know you're only following porn bots on Twitter. Well, kind of. And it's this endless, vicious cycle of just nudity that's awesome. And we are cinema underscore psyops there. And we are participating in all of that. And by we, I mean me, because Matt won't be held responsible for my anus action. No, I can't. That's just clocking out of that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since Matt's clocking out, I suggest it's time for the rest of us just to clock the fuck out and then kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. So we could just hit yourself in the head on that one. Uh, that is because I hit my pop filter, the little rod that sticks out on the pop filter on the way down, and it made that noise. That oh, <laughs> you're hitting your rod, huh? Nice, nice. In the studio. I mean, I'd take full advantage if I wasn't there too. Are you rolling on oh. your side? Oh, sorry. I am now rolling on my side. One, two, three. All right, I changed up the list just a little bit um, to basically get the stuff that's still on the G drive cleared off so that I can load up other things. Okay. Um, Because I'm petty like that, and you still haven't downloaded that shit. My my bad. (laughs) But I did reply to Darren this uh, over the weekend. Holy shit! Yeah. I might be doing a show Saturday night. (laughs) All right, awesome. I think I'm recording another show with him on Friday, so there you go. Nice. Yeah, we'll be getting him from both ends of the weekend. Yeah, we'll be Eiffel Towery, Darren. It'll be nice. <laughs> this is so going out on the podways that he'll actually laugh at that, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I just want to make sure you definitely watched House of Thou- uh, House of Seven Corpses. Yes, I watched House of Seven Corpses. Yeah, this is 993 short of a 1,000. Yeah, Rob Zombie really outdid himself with the last one. He probably could have left a few corpses out of it. <laughs>
<laughs> you, how long have you been sitting on that, like, waiting I, to drop I, that I on the show? I literally just came up with that one, I swear to God. <laughs> it literally just flew off the top of my brain. All right, well, I got your three clips. Um, I've got... Yeah, there wasn't, uh, wasn't a whole lot of clippage. I've got uh, the trailer and everything. I think we are good to go. So let's uh, not tarry let's, and let's uh, get this evening going. Let's hit it. All right, here we go. I'm that yeah. guy that uh, like cuts open the barbed wire wrapped book that's bound in human flesh and inked in human blood and sits there and reads it out loud even though someone scrawled very deeply into the page, do not read this, do not think it, do not say it. Yeah, and, and if you're ever wondering, hey, why is the world ending? Probably Court opened up a book he wasn't supposed to open. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, True. but that would require God to be real, so that wasn't me. Well, but I'm not saying it's a God thing. Maybe it's just some ancient evil. There's, you know, there'd be a whole lot of weird shit going on. I prefer I prefer pan-dimensional beings. Pan-dimensional beings? Gotcha. Wow. Cancel culture. Move on. Really rapey. Like, unfortunately rapey. Disgustingly so. Yeah. Like, this is just not right. So you people shouldn't be doing this. What do you mean by you people? What do you mean by you people? <laughs> you rapists should not be doing this. You rapists should not be doing any of this. How dare you, sir? <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, um... Fuck, I lost my place doing all that shit. Yeah, stop trying to make jokes. <laughs> Especially ones that don't work. Hold on. Oh, sorry, brisket chili. Heartburn like crazy. So, okay, we, we're all having a good time here, and I didn't totally lose my place. I just like to sing and dance sometimes. Um, yeah, they make great outtakes, so go for it. <laughs> uh, fuck, 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 fuck. Okay. So, you still there? I, I don't can know. Hear you. Yeah. Can, can you hear me? Hello? Shit. Hold on. Hello? Hello, hello? Hey, I lost you when you said one minute he's there, and then the next, and then it's just. Okay, I lost yeah, you. I could hear, hear you the whole time. So, yeah, that um, happened to us before. All right, let's do one yeah. more. We we still have one more. Yeah, we gotta right. gotta pat out the episode a little bit. I mean, we talked about the Mandalorian me, longer than the movie. That. Pretty much. Why don't you put that in there? <laughs> uh, let me let me find something here. Oh no, the Mandalorian stuff is still staying. <laughs> awesome. There's nothing that's really being cut out of this episode other than the behind <laughs> the scenes planning. Everything else, including this, this will be in the outtakes. While people are listening to this, they'll be like, "See, he said it, and it's in the outtakes." All right. Uh, let's see here. You nearly dying on the microphone as you're having problems with your heartburn? That's going to be in the outtakes. Uh, trying to see here. This right now where you're trying to see here, this will be in the outtakes. <laughs> the sound of me breathing out with a mouthful of vape, that will be in the outtakes. That silence that just passed, that won't be in the outtakes. That'll get truncated <laughs> out. <laughs> uh. Here we go. All right. Uh, wait. No. Never mind. Hold on. That's gonna be that's gonna be a problematic one. We're not gonna go there. Oh. Yeah. That that one. I'm not gonna do. That one. You get into weird weird shit.
surprised we didn't even hit a full hour and a half raw recording. Jesus Christ. It's going to be under an hour when it's all cut down. It's, it's a shorter episode this week. <laughs> <laughs> They'll thank us later. Yeah, right? You know, one of those episodes when we have like a two hour long one they have to sit through. <laughs> right. We talk about some genius, brilliant film that we really want to dig into and analyze and we talk forever yeah. and ever and it's longer than the actual movie itself. But in this case, we actually produce an episode that's slummed somewhat shorter. Somewhat shorter and more succinct. Yeah. I'm just saying, uh, and, and it'll be a really good movie and people will be interested in it, but we'll be stuck talking about how one particular grain of sand was probably missing from a particular scene, and we're really just going to go in on that constantly, and that, like, minute fucking no one cares detail, and that's what's going to kill him. <laughs> I believe the minutia that we get into for that stupid stuff may be what people listen to this for. It might be. You might not be wrong. All right, I'm going to stop recording now.